The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to Positive Talk Radio. We have a hell of a show for you today, and I just want to get that up front and center. I think that you're going to have a really good time, and I hope that you'll stay for the entire hour because we're going to be talking with Daniel Hawthorne. He is an author. He is a broadcaster. He does an Elvis show on, he's a, kind of one of my heroes because he does an Elvis show for a couple hours a week on like, I don't know, 20 or 30 different stations around the United States. And he also has got an incredible story. And the author, he's the author of Getting My Life Back, The Giant in Me. And uh, again, Dan Hawthorne is the, is the author. And I, and Dan, it's, it's a pleasure for, for me to interview you today and to meet you um because you're you're quite literally a shadow of your former self tell us that yeah story. well i'm half the man i used to be you know uh it wasn't so long ago i was 650 pounds i was uh hating life hating myself ready to throw in the towel the grim reaper was about ready to do that little knock on the door and then uh, i had my moment of zen and uh i awoke and uh, I got my life back. <laughs> and it's been an incredible journey and in how we did so. And uh, the encounters along the way, brother, it has to be in a book. You know, that's why we did what we did. And uh, I look forward to sharing all that with you. Absolutely. When you were when you were in your home and you were 650 pounds, and I assume you, you were, were not getting, able to get around very well. No. Did you think, because this is how my mind would go. My mind would go, you know, if I die, somebody's going to have to carry my carcass out of here. Right. That's going to be hard to do. Did you ever, did that thought ever cross your mind? All the time, all the time. And I, and I, the thought of that, yeah, the horror of that. Yeah. He's going to lift this girth and get me out of here. But the, the fear of dying was there all the time. But the uh, mindset at that point, you know, was just in a very dark place that it controlled me. And uh, I, I needed my fix. So I'd order the pizzas and the fried chicken and this and that. And, the, you know, the death thing was there, but I couldn't beat it at that point. What was your favorite fried chicken? Oh, I lived on the eastern shore here in, in, in Maryland. I'm actually in Virginia now, but I lived in Maryland and Ocean City, Maryland, the capital food capital of Maryland. And they had a place called English's Fried Chicken. And brother, it was delicious. And of course, crab cakes, fried crab cakes, and all that good stuff. Lots of lots and, of fried food, lots of pizza. Yeah, yeah. Food was my drug. It really was. You know, some people their drug is uh, marijuana, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever. But food was mine. 
we all have our issues from time to time and sometimes they control us sometimes sometimes we can control them but it's right it's a really hard thing so tell us a story i know there's a specific event when you decided that enough was enough can you tell us that because it will be impactful to somebody Absolutely. else maybe in the same place you were sure like i said i was uh the reason i moved to ocean city maryland to begin with i was in very bad shape before i moved there i was a very large fellow but i was in a hurting marriage that needed a lot of help and uh i needed a career because things just weren't working well for me in my hometown of hagerstown maryland so a buddy of mine had moved to ocean city and he said, you should come down here, Dan. Maybe we can get into radio again. You can start doing that and you can work on your marriage. It's a brand new start for you. So I moved to Ocean City, Maryland, uh, took my other half with me. And uh, that sort didn't work out well at all. That never got fixed. That even got worse. And uh, the radio show that I did for a while there was working well. We were called the Really, Really Bad B-A-D-D radio show a late night talk fest and it was doing really well. Lots of people calling, lots of crazy people wanted to be on the show with us. And we did that for a while, but then the station sold to a Christian network. So of course the really, really bad radio show wasn't going to work well next to the uh, Jimmy Swagger hour. So the, the station folded up. My buddy moved to South Carolina. So I'm stuck in ocean city now by myself because this marriage was falling apart. My radio career had now fizzled and uh, things just got worse and worse for me. So I got a job in the retail department for the number one retailer in the world. Guess who that is? And I worked in management with them for a while. But uh, I was a very depressed person because my life just wasn't going well. The, the, being a radio star had failed. Uh, the marriage had failed. So this job was just uh, another thing that I hated. But I did it. But I started relying on that drug that I talked about, my drug, because I needed something to make me happy. And all my life growing up, food was the one thing that made me happy. So when life lets you down, when your friends let you down, when your job lets you down, that meat lover's pizza doesn't. And I relied on that for a long time. And then it got to the point in the retail business, I couldn't walk anymore. Now I needed a cane. Uh, I needed a cane to walk. So the weight just kept coming on because I kept going to my drug. I'd get up in the morning and after I couldn't work anymore now, I would take the other half to work. I would stop at the first drive-thru and get the number one breakfast meal, the breakfast burrito and the, and the big large Coke and the nuggets and all that good stuff. I'd get down to 97th Street where I was living off of the main drive there in Ocean City and stop at the second drive-thru for my next fix. I would get home, I'd sit on the couch, I'd watch daytime TV and hate myself, hate life, I'd hide. I lived in this beautiful, beautiful resort. I didn't go out of the house, only late at night. And when I did, I'd ride a cart because I couldn't walk anymore. But food, food, food was all I consumed. That's all I did. Uh, I did the best I could to get around, but the walking became just almost impossible. And then uh, one evening, a friend of mine stopped over at the house. Very few people that I even let into my life at that point. It was just him and I sitting there. And he made the statement. He goes, Dan, you know, you're a good person. People love you. You have a family that loves you back in our, in our hometown. And, and you, maybe you should think about going back there and trying to get yourself together. And, and I had been thinking that way a little bit myself. So he left. Now I'm home all alone by myself, sitting on a couch. And we just had coffee and cake. Imagine that I had cake. But uh, 
I'm sitting there on the couch and my whole body just starts to tremble. I, I'm starting to shake. I'm starting to sweat profusely running down my face. And uh, I pulled my girth off the couch at that point. And then, brother, I was 650 pounds at this point, by the way. I grabbed the cane. I wobbled down the hall. I got into this little tiny bathroom. I put the cane against the wall. I put both hands on the sink counter. And I just started staring into the mirror. And the shaking got worse. The sweating got worse. And this went on for a few minutes. And I started to curse that image. I called him every name you can think of. I wanted I pulled back to break the mirror with my fist. I was so angry. I was so angry. I called him every name. I cursed the man upstairs. You did this to me. I was just, I was a horrible, horrible, mad, angry person at that point. And then I just stopped and I leaned in real close to the mirror. I was nose to nose, eye to eye with that giant at this point. And then I started to cry like a child. And I, I apologized to the giant. I, I looked deep into the soul and I could hear Dan crying for help. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, brother, what I've done to you. I'm sorry. And I, I want to help you. I want to help you. And I'll do my best to help you. And that was that moment of Zen. I apologized to the man upstairs. I said, hey, I need some help here. And thank goodness he's thick skinned because I called him a lot of bad names, too. But uh, that was that moment where I just said, OK, this is it. It's do or die. Literally do or die right now. And that was that moment I decided, hey, we've got to fix this. And uh what was the first step you took to when once you'd made that decision, you there had to be a phone call you made or. Yes, exactly. So what did you do next? Well, you know, during this downfall for me, family would still come to visit. And every time they come to visit, I see my mother looking at me and I can see the fear in her eyes. I was the baby and I know she saw her baby dying and she desperately wanted me to come back home. Hagerstown. It was my hometown, Hagerstown, Maryland. I was living in Ocean City. It's like a four-hour drive. Uh, so anyway, I did make that phone call to my sisters, to my mother. I said, guys, you know, I think I think I need to come back home. And, of course, I was broke because finances just weren't there anymore. I had no money. But I had my brother who came to pick me up. He brought a big old truck and put all my furniture in it. And he took me home. And my mother and my sisters had me a place set up already, a little small apartment. And... Uh, they helped me to get back to Hagerstown, Maryland. And uh, that's kind of where it started for me. Uh, but I promised all of them. I said, guys, you know, I appreciate this. Now I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to fix this. Cause I know they were all concerned. I could barely walk. I, you know, it was just really bad. Uh, so uh, if you're ready for this, the first thing I did was uh, I found a swimming pool in, in, in a local hotel there that said for 30 bucks a month, you can come in here and use the pool anytime you want. You know, it's yours from 7 a.m. till 10 p.m. at night. Uh, and I forked up or my family helped me with the $30. I joined this gym. I was jumping in the deep end. I was treading water, doing my best. I was, uh, you know, holding one of the sides of the pool, splashing my legs, just moving, doing little things, trying to do something. I knew nothing about fitness or anything. And I knew eating at the the Mc drive through every day wasn't going to help me. So I thought, well, instead of getting the big burger i'll get the fish fillet my again my knowledge at that point of, of health and fitness was was very limited i thought we'll get the fish it's better for you it's probably worse when you look at what's in it yep. but i was making attempts so this went on for a month or so and i was meeting lots of other heavy people that were jumping in the water we were bonding and this and that and i, I was making friends i was feeling confident 
One day I walked into, well, I wobbled into the pool with my cane. And there was a big sign on the door that the uh, it was only going to be for uh, hotel guests only. The pool was closed to the public because of some legal problems. I thought, geez, there you go. There's one step forward, two back. Now I can't come to my pool. There was no other pool in, in town that would allow people to do that. So I thought, oh, geez, what am I going to do now? So I went home depressed thinking, you know, sir, you're not making this easy. So then I saw a big sign on a... Uh, a, uh, in the newspaper about this new gym that came to town. Everybody could join it for $10 a month, and it was the non-judgmental zone and this and that. I thought, oh, geez, I don't want to go in the gym in front of all these people. But I knew I had to do something, so I ate, uh, ate humble pie, and I, I walked into this gym on a July day. I was sweating like crazy. It was really hot, I remember specifically. And, of course, when a 650-pound man walks into a room, every face is on you. I said, oh. Hi, everybody. Here I am, you know, and uh, I went over to the desk. I signed up. They gave me a little tour of the place, and I was looking at all this equipment thinking, my gosh, I can't fit on any of this equipment. These little skinny things, if I sit on that, that would be painful. So, But the only thing I saw I could probably do was, was sit on the bike and, and pedal. I thought, well, I'll do that, and maybe somebody here will help me. Uh, the young man at the desk pointed me out to a trainer. He goes, that's so-and-so. Go talk to her. She will help you out. So I know this lady saw me coming. She would not make eye contact with me. I knew I scared her to death. I was a heart attack waiting to happen, walking towards her, this giant sweating like mad. She didn't even uh, hardly look at me. I put my hand out. I said, hi, I'm Dan. I really need some help. And her pretty much her response was this, honey, I am so booked up. I've got so many people just lined up. Why don't you sign this book? And she said, I'll, I'll, I'll get to you as soon as I can. But in the meantime, just start slowly working on your cardio. I thought, oh, my God, what is she talking about cardio? I knew that meant heart. So I walked away from that thinking, geez, this lady doesn't even care. I went in for about a week riding the bike, doing what I could do. And I just said, screw this. This is not for me. I'm not supposed to be here. I went home once again thinking two steps, one step forward, three steps back. And uh, the next thing, I saw this new weight loss show that was coming on television. I thought, oh, wow, weight loss. And they want really big people like me. And so I wrote to them and uh, I, they said, we'd love to get you on this show. We're going to set you up with a trainer and we can get you to lose three, four hundred pounds. Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. And you'll be get famous off of this. You know, like, OK, that's fine. I don't mind about care about being famous, but I need to lose this weight. And uh, I was all set to do it. I, they had me send them videos. I filled out all the paperwork. And then the show went on a hiatus. It didn't happen. It was another network's uh, uh, version of The Biggest Loser. I'll put it that way. The Biggest Loser was really big at this time. And right. this was another right. network trying to compete. And the show just didn't happen. After I told everybody in town I was going to be a star, I was going to be on television, I was going to lose all this weight. So at this point, brother, I'd given up. I said, that's it. I'm just going to eat pizza the rest of my life. You know, I'm not going to die. I'm going to die before I'm 50 years old. I'm just going to have to deal with that. And because I thought there's nothing else I could do. I was just trying my best and everything. It just seemed fought me. Then out of nowhere, I received an email from a young gentleman from Hagerstown Community College. He said, hi, my name is Thomas. I'm new here at the college. I run the fitness center and I teach some classes. We have a mutual friend that works here, and she told me that you really need some help. And I thought, wow, nobody's really going to reach out to help me. This guy, there's something in this for him. 
And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's true. And he, he, and he asked me to tell him my story. So I kind of went through a lot of what I just did with you, with Thomas. And uh, he said, I really think I can help you. He, and I said, well, how much will this cost me? He said, nothing. He said, I want to help you. I didn't believe him. That BS detector started going off right away. And uh, Thomas said, I want you to do something. I want you to come in here. I want to talk to you. I want to meet you face to face. So I said, OK. He said, I'll see you Saturday morning at 10 o'clock here at the gym at the college. And so we hung up the phone. So that Saturday morning, I got up. And we all seen that scenario in the movies on TV. You got the devil on this shoulder and the little guy in white and the halo on this shoulder. Yep. They battled the entire way to that college. I pulled in. I pulled into the parking lot. And the, the little guy in red saying, you big fat idiot, don't go in there. There's college kids in there. You're going to be the laughing stock. stock. You're an old guy. They don't really care about you. It's worthless. You can't even move. Don't go in there. Then this guy over here saying, Dan, this man wants to help you. Give it a chance. Go in there. See what he has to say. Luckily, this guy won. So I got out of my car and I, it took me what would take a normal person five minutes to get into the fitness center. It took me about 20. Walk a little, stop, breathe, sit down, walk a little. I got into the building. I walked to the elevator, got on that, got up to the second floor, leaned on the uh, wall there for a while in this hallway, trying to get my composure because I didn't want to walk into that college the way I walked into that gym, a <laughs> sweaty monster. So I got into the fitness center and Thomas was the only guy in there. I saw him over there lifting weights. He just pointed to his office. He's going in. We went in, he shut the door, he sat down behind me, he goes, tell me, how bad do you want this? I said, Thomas, I said, I'm going to die, man, I, I want my life back, I really, i got so much to live for, I don't want to die, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm totally lost here, and uh, I just went on, I told him anything and everything, he asked me a few questions, but he looked me in the eye, unlike that lady that I told you about earlier, and by the way, that gym has... Uh, it's, they've made right. The lady they was fired, by the way, not because of me, but for other reasons. I understand they fired her and that other gym is doing well now. And I would highly recommend them. But anyway, Thomas and I talked. And at the end of the conversation, he said, are you ready? <laughs> and about that time, I was ready to drink my raw eggs because the Rocky theme was going off. And I said, I'm ready, brother. I'm ready. Whatever you want me to do. First thing he made me do was go to a doctor. He goes, before you even come in here, you go to a doctor and make sure you get the OK to do this because. Once again, I was a heart attack waiting to happen. You but know. I went to a doctor and he said, just take it easy. If this guy's a professional, he'll know what to do with you because you, all your numbers are horrible. He goes, you will not make it much longer if you don't do something. So I went into the gym the very first day. Thomas was testing me. I know what he was doing. He put me on a hand bike. So it's like a bicycle. You sit on it and you just row. And uh, he did this for about five minutes. And every few minutes, it would go up a little harder to push. A little harder. And after the five minutes, he said, OK, that's it. And I about fell off that bike. I said, oh, my God, my arm, I can't lift him. But I had accomplished that. He was seeing what, how far he could push me. I know what he was doing. I learned a lot from him. But that was the beginning. Then we got out for that bike and he took me into this room. I sat on this box thing because I couldn't walk. He would throw me this heavy medicine ball. He'd say, hold it over your head for a few minutes. That threw it as hard as I could back to him. And this was my workout the very first day, but I fell over off that box right after that. And I understand later that some of the faculty that had come in during this time were taking bets. Was I going to come back the next day because they saw how much pain I was in and how hard this was. But uh, 
a few people got wealthy because I did come back in the next day. So <laughs> I got to ask you when you fell over off of the uh, box, could you get up by yourself or did you need like a uh, like three or 400 people? Well, Thomas actually put on one hand out and helped me out, but I did put other hand on the box to get up. Yeah. The, the box helped me get up because it was heavy steel. So I could get on that and get up. But yeah, oh, big guys don't like falling down if there's not something to hold on to to get back up. Exactly. And, and, uh, and congratulations, by the way, on well, thank you. everything that you've done now. Now, are you and Thomas still in contact? We talk on Facebook because I live in Virginia now. I'm not there where he, exactly where he's at. But, yeah, and he's, he's a big star in the book, by the way. He's, he was the first one of the first angels. And I have a few angels that have entered my life. And Thomas was one of the first. And uh, I, I learned so much from him. Which is really cool that, that he took it upon himself to write that email. Right. Uh, and that you were wise enough uh, to not let yeah. that let your your uh, that that voice that was coming from your head. That was all the stories that people had told you forever yeah. that said you can't do this. And, mm -hmm. and you uh, did the right thing. And uh, the story from yeah. from the other side, which said that you can do this. And yeah. You do this. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the, one of the things that was really hard for me too in the beginning is because i couldn't weigh myself because the gym's uh scales only went up to 500 pounds yeah no <laughs> when you're 600 pounds you need to have to go to the um um to a um butcher shop where they they <laughs> they have they, they have them up here where you you've got a um 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 a a scale that covers like 800 pounds like the side right. of meat mm -hmm. and, yeah. So yeah, they don't make scales to the, go that high. And yeah. Well, my si my sister worked for a company there in, in Hagerstown, Maryland, and she said we have a loading dock. If you, you're welcome to come <laughs> come use it if you want. So I had to find out where I was. But by the time she told me this, I'd already lost several pounds because my belly didn't rub the steering wheel as, as heavily as it used to. So we probably lost 25, 30 pounds the first time I weighed myself. Because actually, I weighed about. Uh, 625 I think the first time I weighed in on that loading dock but that was after I'd already lost so much weight uh, but I had to use that for a while until I got down to the first 500 pounds then I could start using the college you know scales now at one point there must have been one point you know maybe Thomas is, is the one that was responsible for this but you learned how to eat better you learned better oh yeah that was something I learned along the way and I'll tell you the funniest thing because I was always in the you know my mother we grew up very middle class, lower middle class. So we ate a lot of peas and things in cans, which is okay if that's all you got. But I wasn't really pushed to eat uh, healthy food. So to me, broccoli, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, they were the devil. You know, that I can't eat that stuff. They're not like French fries or chicken nuggets. That's what I like. I like pasta. I like burgers. But anyway, Thomas told me, man, you've got to change. You've got to you know, slowly get away from those bad things and, and bring in the good. And uh, so I, I made up my mind I was going to like broccoli whether I wanted to or not. So I did cheat the first couple times. I've sprinkled a little cheese on it and melted it because I like, who doesn't love cheese? Of course. So a little broccoli with a little cheese melted on it, you can deal with it. You know, I would take a bite, you know. But each time, less bro less cheese and more broccoli. And eventually I started to say, you know, this isn't so bad. And then I had asparagus on a grill. Someone had grilled some asparagus. It was Thomas. I went to his house. He had a little cookout, and I had grilled asparagus. I thought, that's pretty tasty. That is tasty. Yeah. And then I tried the Brussels sprouts and different things, and 
Then I started eating strawberries and grapes, things I thought were forbidden. You talk about forbidden fruit, I forbid them from my diet normally. Now, you know, I love this time of the year. We have a little a place close to our house here, a little Shawnee Market, and they have fresh strawberries and grapes and peaches and apples and all that wonderful stuff that tastes great this time of the year. And I've learned to love all that stuff. But you know what? And I tell everybody all the time, one of the biggest questions I get, do you still eat pizza? Do you still eat burgers? Absolutely. I love a big juicy burger. I have one every so often, but it's not a daily thing anymore for me. If we eat pizza today, I'll probably eat chicken breast tomorrow and have salad and a good vegetable and some fruit. It's, it's all balanced thing now for me. I still love my M&Ms and my Snickers bars and my Reese's pieces and all that stuff, but it's very limited in our yeah. home. It's, it's just, you know. It's balance. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, regionally, I don't know if you've traveled out a lot, like to the West Coast and, and stuff, but the regionally, we all have different, even though we're one country, we have different eating yes Mm -hmm. in arkansas it's very heavy it's gravy it's it's biscuits and gravy and lots of oh yeah and lots of lots of grease and lots of stuff like that and versus in california it's lots of bean sprouts Mm -hmm. and and stuff like so it wasn't your fault and also if you are um have a lower economic status the cheapest foods in the grocery store are the absolute worst thing that you can eat absolutely little ramen noodles dollar for four of them you know how how do you beat that add water there's a meal you know exactly (laughs) yeah so but Mm -hmm. it's not it's not good for you it's got high in sodium and all that kind of good stuff so absolutely congratulations so at what point did you just say you know, this is this is a story that needs to be told. I'm going to write a book, by the way. I'm talking <laughs> with Daniel Hawthorne, who's written the book, Getting My Life Back, The Giant in Me. It's in ads, Amazon now. I highly recommend that you go and, and get it. It's got five stars, and it is a, it really is. A, a, it's got 20 reviews, and yeah. uh, he's got five stars. So that's really good. Thank you. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it, it, the, the book thing. During this journey, uh, the college newspaper where I, I was talking about did a story on me. I was like, I became the celebrity on the campus. Everybody's like high five me walking down the halls. After the first hundred pounds, you know, people started talking about me a little bit. So the college did a story on me. Then I got a call from the local newspaper and they said, hey, you know, that's a pretty inspiring story. Do you mind if we do run on you? I said, well, I'd love that. And, and I did a story with the local newspaper. Then, of course, the local television station expressed interest. I said, well, sure. You know, they came and filmed me working out at the college. And by this time, it was like 150 pounds I had lost. But all these people kept saying, you know, you should, you should write a book. You know, how do you learn to love yourself again? How do, you, how do you get that motivation? How did you do this? And what got you in this direction anyway? What got you to 650 pounds? They wanted to know all these things. People were asking me all the time but I knew nothing about writing a book. Uh, I can talk to I'm blue in the face, as you can see. I'm a good talker, I'm a radio guy, that's what I do. But as far as writing a book, I knew nothing about it. But I knew I wanted to, and I knew that I, I thought I could help people with it because I, I meant a lot of people in this journey. I hope we get to talk about that today on the show, but uh, I wanted to help people. I found my purpose, you know, that was my purpose to, to spread positivity and positive radio and uh, do what I do. Got it. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know how much you want me to get into detail about the person who helped me write this book, because that's something you were talking about later. But 
uh, I did meet a beautiful young lady who was an author, and she had actually been following my story a little bit on Facebook. And uh, I wrote to her, and uh, I said, hi, Patricia. I don't know if you remember me. Uh, we were in this Elvis club together, and uh, I said, I've been on this journey, and a lot of people think I should write a book. And uh, I said, you know, can you give me some tips or help me out and give me some thought on what I need to do to write a story like this? And she told me I should be journaling every day, which I'd already started actually doing. And uh, any thoughts, memories, feelings, emotions, write it down, because whoever helps you to write this story, your story is going to need to know these things. So I began to do that. And then about a week or so later, I got a message from her again, writing me back saying, hey, you know, I think uh, I think maybe I should tell your story. I should help you to write your book and tell your story. And that's where that began. Which is which is a great offer for somebody right. that is already, you know, a published author and is mm -hmm. willing to help you and stuff. But there's more to that story, too, isn't there? Oh, this is all this is a whole other story on its own. It's a love story. It's 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 it's, it's a fantasy story. It really is, Kevin, it, the, the way this whole thing happened. Uh, as I told you, I don't know how much time we have. Do you want me to get in to tell you that story, how this all worked? Uh, give us a because uh, there's so much more I want to talk to you about. Right. But give us the uh, Reader's Digest version. The Reader's Digest version. This beautiful young lady was also an Elvis person. She had written a couple books about Elvis Presley. I eat, drink, and sleep Elvis. So there's a connection there already. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. So we started uh, conversing because she was on. The, she's in your end of the world. She's out in the Seattle area, Washington, and the Oregon area. Oh, cool. I'm in Maryland. So we had to do everything through Skype and uh, we would share. I would tell her stories, write down this, that she'd ask me questions. And everything you read in the book is my words, but she's the professional who knew how to put them in perspective in the right way. And she's so talented. But this began a good friendship. And uh, Patricia Garber is her name for the, those of you following along. She's uh, written several books. But that's how it began. We just started working uh, that way. And uh Eventually, Patricia had to come to Maryland. She has to see and taste and experience and meet the people I've talked about so we can understand what we're doing here. And she came. We had to sign contracts and this and that. And she came to Maryland and I introduced her to my family and to friends. And uh, we just made a really good bond and a connection there. And it's helped with the book because she knows me now so well. It was easier for her to understand my emotions and feelings when I talk about this and that. And, that's how that, this whole process has been working. And then finally it happened. The book is and, out. <laughs> which, which is really cool. Okay, and the book's been out about a month now. And, yeah. And again, you can go to Amazon and you can probably go to Barnes and Noble and, and if yeah. it's not there, you can order it. Um, yeah. And, and any bookstore that, uh, well, you can go there and tell them you want this book if they don't have it in and they can order it for you as yeah, well as yeah. Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Absolutely. So now, I, there's even more to this story. Yes, a lot and, more of the story there. <laughs> there, there really is. Rather, and not only because let's go back, back in the midst of time, mm -hmm. before you you were a radio guy. Yes, and you were on a radio station, and you had a late night show that was doing really quite well. They mm -hmm. sold it out from under you to a Christian station that no longer <laughs> wanted to have the type of material that you were doing right. on the show on their yes. station, and. Mm -hmm. So your passion has always been that yes. and you always wanted to go back to it. So at what point in your journey through the weight loss, did you say, 
I'm going to resume my radio career? About halfway through, because, you know, like I said, I felt I had no purpose and, and, and or anything in life. And then when I started to breathe again, I started to really feel good about me. I can't just sit around anymore. I've got to do something. I've got to do what I love. And radio was my passion. And uh, but I was really green because I hadn't been doing it for a while now because of the station I ended, you know, and I was a little nervous about it. But my dream was always to do an Elvis Presley show. I, I like I said, I come out of the womb singing Hound Dog. Uh, Elvis has always been my thing. Actually, Elvis comes out of me sometimes. I don't you know, sound like Elvis Presley. Oh, but nice. uh, there you go. Thank you very much. Anyway, I, uh, I I found out there was a little station in in Maryland or in Pennsylvania that was uh, just starting out a little standalone station underwater, but they uh, were looking for radio announcers. And I talked to the gentleman. I said, hi, you know, I said, my name's Dan. And I said, you probably see my stuff in the paper. He knew who I was because of the newspaper stuff. I said, you know, I've got this idea about an Elvis show and it's an oldie station. He goes, we love an Elvis show. So I said, okay. And I talked to some, the beautiful young lady that we'll talk more about when you're ready. And uh, another buddy of mine, we started the show called Elvis Now Radio on this little station. And uh, we started getting calls from all over the place, uh, not just in the United States. We were getting calls from like Italy. Our people were writing in, I'm listening to you in France. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So then we decided we better change the name because we don't loan the name Elvis. So we started, we changed the name of the show to Blue Suede Connection. And then we talked to the gentleman who owned the station. We said, great, what do you think about us maybe syndicating this show? He said, I've been wondering what took you so long. <laughs> so a few months into this, we're on like six stations. Next thing I know, we're on 20 stations. Next thing I know, we're on 50 stations. Now we're on about 80, 80, 85 stations and we're on nine countries. And uh, Elvis is everywhere, literally. <laughs> so there you go. Congratulations. Do you have you. any idea how rare that is, what you're doing? Very, very rare. Yeah, and I'm very, I, I wake up every day. I'm so excited. You know, I, I, we all have bad days when we wake up, but I can be still waking up feeling like horrible or whatever, but still it's a great day to be alive. I've, I've, I've got the most abusive, beautiful woman in my life that I love to death. We'll talk about when you're ready. And I've got this, ra this radio show that I, that I'm broadcasting all over the world, playing the music I love and the guy I love. And, you know, it, it's just, I, I'm a very blessed, lucky, happy man. And if you're just tuning into this, I want to remind everybody that there was a time that he was 650 pounds yeah. and he was looking into the mirror and he was thinking that not only was his life about to end or soon, that he was unhappy with himself. He was unhappy with the, the way life had gone and he had nothing. He had uh -huh. absolutely nothing. Now, fast forward to today, <laughs> you're a published author. You've got uh -huh. a radio show that's on 80 different stations and okay, we can go there now. We're talking, right. you've got the love of your life. That beautiful lady. Uh, when I was, before I began this weight loss journey, I was that 600 plus man at this point, pound man. I had a friend who was dying. He was very ill. And his dream was to see Graceland in Memphis. He's a fellow Elvis fan. And uh, I didn't go out of the house much at all at that point. But because my friend really, really wanted to see Memphis and Graceland, I said, okay, let's do this. Let's go. So we made reservations and 
a few of us loaded up the truck and we went to Memphis. Mr. Deck was his name. Robert Decker was his name. He's no longer with us, but I'm so honored that I got to take him on this trip and this journey that he so wanted to see. But during this time, we, I was a member of this Elvis fan club and they had this big event at the hotel where we were staying at, a big sock hop. And it was to raise money for some charities that Elvis stood for. And I'm sitting there in my own little bubble, kind of hiding myself. And a few of my friends from other countries, uh, from England, came over and spoke to me. Wonderful people were friends today. Uh, they came over and spoke, but I was still in my own little world. And then the door opens and I watch this beautiful blonde haired woman float into the room. I didn't see anybody else around her. I didn't see anybody else room. I just saw this woman walk into this room and I watched her go sit at her table with her friends. And I, I would not make eye contact. I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't let her even know I was looking that way. She looked towards our direction. I turned my head. I wouldn't speak to her. I didn't feel worthy. I was this giant, this ugly giant I felt, and I didn't really want anybody to talk to me. I was just, I was there for deck and this and that. So uh, the next day, there's another event, an awards event where people got up and gave the money for the charities that they had raised for Elvis uh, organizations. And guess who sat one chair in front of me? Her again. Surprise. And, yeah, surprise. And I watched her again. I listened to her talking. Her mom was with her, I think, and I, I could hear them talking a little bit. I heard her voice and this and that, but I would not speak. So now you skip a couple of years. I left Memphis. I come back home. This journey's begun. And I knew that that lady was a writer and she's the girl that I wrote to on Facebook saying, can you help me out about writing? I don't know anything about this. So that was Patricia Garber. Now she came to Maryland. As I said, she had to experience the things that I've talked about and taste the food and see all the places. And a, a bond was formed at that point more. So we did it on Skype for a long time, but when you're in person, you kind of really get to feel a person. I just didn't want to not be around her after the first time I met her. I couldn't wait for the next day so we could go. I could show her this, show her that. And so finally, we're sitting at, at a restaurant. We have to sign the papers. And I said, there's one thing I really haven't talked a whole lot about, uh, Patricia. And I said, I don't know how far you want me to get into this. And it was the marriage thing. And uh, my ex, by the way, I, uh, she's in the book, but we changed things in order to make everybody happy. And, and I wish her all the best of luck. Now we're friends somewhat. And, I don't want to talk ill of her, but uh, there are things that went on in the marriage that weren't so good. And uh, I started to tell Patricia about this because that's the one thing I really didn't talk a lot about sharing all my stuff with her. And, and then she got very emotional and she actually had a tear or two in her eye. And I said, I'm sorry, am I upsetting you? She said, no, I'm just, I'm relating to a lot of the things you're talking about because I'm going through very similar things. And so there I thought, wow, this is crazy, you know, and so she had been experiencing much of the same stuff that I did in my marriage. So then she came back and forth here and there as we're working on this book. And each time she'd come, we'd get a little closer. And then I started teasing her. I said, you're going to fall in love with me. She said, oh, shut up, Hawthorne. You're silly. I said, no, you're, you're going to fall in love with me. Trust me, you're going to fall in love with me. And I was putting on the charm, too, brother. You know, we've got to do that. But I was yeah, I was doing all the right things, I thought. So uh, she also worked for the airline industry. Now, here's where it gets really good. And the airline industry at this point, lots of things were changing. Her, uh, where she worked in, in, in the Washington and Seattle area there in, in Oregon, shut down. And uh, she had to relocate. And guess where there was availabilities? In Surprise. Maryland, 
And she needed a place to stay. And I was running a small house at that time. So she came. I said, you're welcome. This house is yours. And uh, we just became really close friends. It was nothing, you know, out of the ordinary at first. But deep down, I was like, yeah, she's going to fall in love with me. I know it. I know it. And uh, eventually that kind of did happen. And then after that, Kevin, I said, you know what's going to happen next? You're going to do radio with me. Oh, right. I'm not a radio person. I write. You're the radio guy. I said, no, no, you're, you'll be great. Now the best co-host in the world does Blue Suede Connection with me every week on uh, the show. And if somebody and, wants to find that, they can go into the listings and and you, you, on your, there's a website for it, right? Yeah, or just go to Facebook and type in Blue Suede Connection and we'll pop right up there. And uh, yeah, you can read see all about the show. If you love Elvis, you'll love the show. And if you don't love Elvis, you'll love us because it's a lot of fun. I flirt with her on the show, but we it's it, a, a different theme every week. We goof off. It's an Elvis party. We have 50 sock ups. We have Hawaiian Elvis, you know, live, rare cuts, that kind of thing. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And and he it is so sad that that he passed away so young. Absolutely. But he lives, he lives on in our hearts, and, and we make sure that uh when you listen to Blue Suede Connection, you're going to learn a little something about him. You're going to find out how much he was really one of us. He really was one of us. And uh, we try yeah. to show that side of him. Now, I want to I want to ask you a question. And, and this is really from the bottom of my heart. And I really want an honest answer from you, sir. Oh, OK. And that is this. When you were standing there at 650 pounds, did you talk to God? Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't know how much that you'd want me to get into. You have to be careful with the whole God thing, you know, but well, no, uh, when I now let me let me preface that when I when I say that, I mean, the universe, God, the spirit, yes. whatever, 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 however, yeah. whatever label you want to put on it. That's right. And, and by the way, I am no denomination. I, I believe in a higher source of power your source of power. Every, yeah, everybody has their own take on it. I have mine. And I just know that that night in that trailer that that higher source reached down and kind of put his hand on my shoulder and said, I got you. I got you. And he sure did. He has been instrumental in allowing you to live the life that you were destined to live. Absolutely. Tracked a little bit all the way through and, and all the good things that have happened for you. And this is, this is why I bring this up is not for you because you've got a lot going on. You should be, and you're very eternally grateful for it, but there's somebody out there that we're going to be able to help because we're going to be able to say, all you need to do is to turn and to ask for assistance and the universe will provide that in the, in the, in the form of people of things you you have a guy you didn't even know that wrote you an email saying i wanted to help you Um, right right you know you had somebody that you didn't know that wanted to help you write a book now you've written a book and you've got a co-host sure (laughs) and And, uh, exactly and you know what and and i want to be that voice for people too that thomas was for me and 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 that's part of my thing i have found my purpose in this kevin i really have and it, it so many people have come into my life and I've talked to, I don't know how much we have time to get into all this, but I've talked to a person who's contemplating suicide. I talked to a, a young gentleman who, who was heavily on drugs, who burnt his hand off in a fireplace, who needed a little inspiration, a little help. And, and my story helped him. I met a young African-American gentleman who was going to this college where I was doing this thing. who was, did a lot of bad things in his life and was ready to, to uh, give it up because he didn't think he was doing the right things. And he said he read my story and he was going to stay in college because he saw that that big man could get his life back by making the right decisions and doing the right things. 
and it inspired him to stay in school and get his education. I mean, so many things like that have happened in this event. I mean, whatever, whoever is up there that designs all this stuff, their mistakes aren't made. Things happen for reasons. And my reason for being that 650 pound man was to do what I do now and try to help other people and, and share my story. Absolutely. And that, that is part of the entire um, program that has been surrounding you. Um, yes, sir. And it's, it's a way for you to now, now you can give back because for every person that's like, that's like you, there are a thousand people who don't have the intestinal fortitude to make the changes, right. to have right. the structure that they can get it done. And uh, so you, you're what I, I term, I've got, I've got this thing that I call, I, I call it authentic grit. Mm-hmm. And you have got, you've got that in spades. Thank you. Um, I think, you know, I think we, I appreciate those kind words. I think we all have a giant in us. We do. And uh, we all just have to control that giant. You know, your giant might be drugs. Your giant might be something else, but uh, we all have that giant. And some have been able to tame that giant from the beginning and many haven't. I was one who lost control and let the giant control me, but uh, I got it back. Thank goodness. And uh, like I said, we're here to try to encourage and inspire and do the right things now. And, and you survived it and yes, sir. Uh, being 650 pounds, <laughs> I got to ask you, what was your <laughs> blood pressure at 650 pounds? I, I don't even remember the numbers. They were, everything was horrible. Everything. I just remember the doctor shaking his head a couple of times saying, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, this is, you, you got to do something. You got to do something. And after a while I stopped going cause I, I was too scared to go. Well, sure. But when Tom, when Thomas did make me go to the doctor before that whole thing began, every number was out of control. He said, you know, your blood pressure, I was taking blood pressure pills and everything, uh, pain pills, lots of stuff. So I know they were really bad. And then at one point through all this, I went to a doctor. He goes, your numbers are pretty darn good. I really can't find anything wrong with you. When I heard that, I was like, okay, I think we're doing this right. So you're, you're doing the, you're doing right. the right thing, but you're not done yet. You're not done. No, with, no, no. You're not done. No, with I, doing, you're not done writing. You're not done no. with the radio. Where do you see yourself in five years? Well, you know, I, I just want to continue to lose more weight because I'm not to where I want to be. I'll never be perfectly satisfied. I'm always going to try to get a little better, but at least another 50 pounds, I uh, get off at least that much. Uh, with uh, We want to do a podcast, maybe something similar, not what you're doing, but I would like to share my journey through some kind of podcast or radio show, possibly. That's what I'd like to do and share my journey throughout the show and this and that. Well, you've got a home here. Whenever you'd like Thank to come you. on uh positive talk radio you are you are welcome to do so uh, oh, I, I support you in the mission that you're on and see positive talk radio is all about helping people right, right. examples of of people who are in the process of helping people and mm-hmm. um, you see something a little bit different and see you are we are so fortunate to know you because you've gone from you at 650 you were you could have been quite literally weeks from death. I probably was. I was close. I was real close. Yeah. You know, and you've, and you've accomplished so much and it's worth it because it's better for you to live and to, and to live happily than it, even if you don't get 
the pizza every day is you know right yeah you've you've done a lot and you're going to help people and that's that's what that's what's really cool and i i really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to me about about this and being in such an open book it's awesome absolutely i'm not afraid to answer anything i've been asked it all i was even asked in one of the college classes did you stink when you were that big (laughs) i said i said when you work out and you sweat you stink he said yeah I said, of course I did, but I bathed, you know, but there's nothing I haven't been asked, you know, along the way, I'll tell you, and and I'm an open book. Well, there are some questions I'm just not going to go there. Uh, Right, right. You know, so, um, but you are doing the right thing, you are, and you're working to help people, and by the way, we're talking with Daniel Hawthorne, get the book, Getting My Life Back, The Giant in Me. Um, it's co-authored by Patricia Garber, and um, it's a, it's a great book, and and you can get it at Amazon, and it's got a bunch of twenty or, or five star reviews, and and uh, and also go to his website, which or go to his Facebook page. Are the are the radio stations listed there? Yeah, the- if you go to Blue Sway Connection, and I have a blog page too. If people would like to come to, can I give you that address? Absolutely. Yeah, it's Dan Dash Hawthorne, H A W T H O R N E, Dan Dash Hawthorne dot blogspot dot com. And we've got lots of blogs up there about the journey. And there's actually a link there to the book where you can get the book at Amazon and, and this and that. And there's lots of positive blogs over there for folks who might need a little inspiration. I share my humor, of course. And of course, that wonderful author helps me with that too. I write them and she edits for me. So. That's so awesome. I sell real good, Kevin, because I have a great editor. That, that's what it takes sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it takes a village, a whole team to put together <laughs> the project and to put together the product. And so right, you, there you go. done well. And uh, can you and I got to ask you, do you feel as good as I think you should feel? Pretty much so. I would say yes. <laughs> yes, sir, I do. You know, we all have our days because I'm not a young kid anymore. I'm 57 years old, so I have those aches and pains, but I feel a hell of a lot better than I did, you know, 10 years ago. I'll put it that way. Well, I got to ask you, do you still have all your parts? I mean, like, yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, you are you are really uh, fortunate in that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, though, you know what? When I first lost this weight, Kevin, you'd think that I would be like this perfect, nothing's going to go wrong. I've had kidney stone operations. When I changed my diet, when I started not eating so much McFood, I started eating all the healthier things. My body was like, what the heck is wrong with you? (laughs) So the kidney stones started acting up. And I got one of those big suckers that was lodged so heavy in there, they had to cut me in there and go in and get it. It was like, geez, what's going on here? I thought I was going to get healthier. But, you know, I fought through all that stuff and uh, where we're at now. But it's never perfect. But I'll tell you what, the thing that drives me crazy now, too, is the loose skin. I look like the rubber man when, I, when I'm when i not clothed. But I'll take that loose skin over 350 pounds any day. So, But you know what? I know a guy that's been on the show that he lost 200 pounds, and he said that it clears up and goes away over time. Right. And so so just just be patient. And it'll go away. Okay, yeah. I'll do that. Yeah, so and he's he's on. I forget the name of the podcast that I did with him, but uh, <laughs> he's on there and and, uh, and he lost a bunch of weight as well. And uh, and he's now like 150 pounds. He was like 350 or something. Well, good and, for him. Good for him. Yeah, but but it's great. It's you know having you here is awesome. As a matter of fact, 
what I'd like you to do now, Dan, is to okay. uh, um, I'm I'm going to set myself aside, and I would like you to tell our audience anything at all that's on your heart that you would like them to know. The audience is listening now, and there are okay. a few, and uh, and people that will be listening later on. All right. Well, I just like to tell everybody that uh, the operator upstairs doesn't make mistakes. You're not a mistake. You're here for a reason. You are loved. You are important and you're needed in this world. And no matter how dark of a space you think you're in, you can get your life back. And I encourage everybody to have that mirror moment that I had. Just look in that mirror and look deep into that soul and find that connection. And uh, let that person, let that young lady know how beautiful she really is. Let that handsome young fella know how handsome he is. Know that you're worth it, you have value, you have purpose, and you deserve to be happy. And I know what it is to feel like you're not. I've been there. I've walked that walk. I, I was almost a dead man. And uh, I found my way back. And so can anybody out there that's watching or hearing this right now. Know that you are worth it. You have value. You have purpose. And you can get your life back. There you go. Dan, thank you very much for saying that. And just just so you know, everybody that I know that is that comes on this show, that I give them that opportunity, it is amazing to me how many of them say virtually the same thing. Absolutely. Getting their life back, about living with authenticity and and mm-hmm. realness and 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 really that you can do this. It's 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 marvelous. And I want to thank you so much. Will you come back? I would love to. I'd love to. I'd love to share more. Anything you want to talk about, I'm an open book. I love it. Well, one of these days I'm going to have you on KKNW and we can and we can talk about uh, all, all of that. And we'll have a great time doing that. Let's thing. do it, brother. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's inspire together. Absolutely, my friend. And thank you again, Dan, for being here. This is Dan Hawthorne. Thank He's you. got the book, Getting My Life Back, The Giant in Me. Uh, it's at Amazon. It's been out a month. It's got a bunch of reviews. It's really good. Uh, please, um, if you don't buy it for yourself, buy it for your 600-pound friend. That you, there you, you go. Um, and that that would be helpful to them. And uh, you could be an angel among us like Dan is. So I want to thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. Thank and you, you very wait, much. If you wait right there, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because each other's all we 